would a 10-year-old boy do with his own island? Can you imagine? Play on it? That's what I'd do. Build a fort on it? Have it all to himself, maybe? Ten-year-old Phineas was about to visit his island. It was the summer of 1820, and ten years earlier, his grandfather had presented baby Phineas with the deed to some land in Connecticut called Ivy Island. When Phineas was ten, it was finally time to go see this island for himself and play on it, his own private island. Phineas' mother and father were quick to remind him that not every boy is born a landowner. He was very privileged to have received this kind gift. And you can imagine what a 10-year-old would picture in his mind when he hears he owns Ivy Island, island in the middle of a body of water with, uh, I don't know, ivy growing on it, I guess, right? Well, the ivy part of the name was true. The island part, well, Phineas and his parents pulled up to Ivy Island in their horse and buggy, and all Phineas could see was a snake-infested swampy marsh. His heart sank. Where's my island, he thought. Where am I going to build a fort? His grandfather has said this five acres was the most valuable land in Connecticut. But in reality, it was worthless. His father reminded him that it was still a generous gift, but Phineas didn't think so. It seemed more like a cruel joke. He stood looking at the swampland in disbelief and uttered to himself, but I had hoped. All those hopes and dreams, the fort, running and playing, deciding who gets to be on the island and who doesn't, years of anticipation evaporated in an instant. Imagine Isaiah's anticipation when the word of the Lord came to him in 740 B.C. God told him to write about all the nations of the world streaming to Zion, right? People everywhere will look toward the city of Jerusalem on top of that hill and go there because that's where the God of truth will be. People will repurpose their weapons into farm equipment, for lack of a better description of the text. And then there's the prophecy of the virgin birth. A son will be born, and his name will be many good things, including Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. With such great and hopeful promises, everything was going to be great for Isaiah and God's people Israel. But, oh man, <laughs> Isaiah is a long, long scroll and it covers a long period of time and took many years to write. If you keep reading it, you find Isaiah's hopes crushed. He says, God's people honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. Isaiah is one of the earliest written accounts of lip service in literature. Isaiah calls the people Israel stubborn children who have plans, but they aren't anywhere close to God's plans. 
The prophet says the Israelites rely on horses and trust in chariots, but do not consult the Holy One of Israel, the Lord God Almighty, for anything. After hearing earlier from God about peace and a future king, this is how the people show their thanks and anticipation. You can just hear Isaiah utter to himself, but I had hoped. It's not hard to become bitter when your hopes are dashed. That's what happened to Phineas. His dashed private island hopes struck him all his life or stuck with him all his life. And while he became successful, we know him now as as P.T. Barnum of circus fame, he was a bitter man on the inside all his life. When you lose hope, sometimes it's hard to believe you'll ever be happy again. Life after loss doesn't always follow an ordered and predictable path. It can look like a tangled mess. And those words can haunt us for a long time. But I had hoped. I've been through it. Perhaps you have too at one time. Maybe you're feeling this way now. When it comes to hope in forgiveness, rescue from sin, death, and getting eternal life, that's a hope you can't build within yourself. It's a hope that's a gift given to you from God. And Isaiah writes about this too. In spite of his evaporated hope in his country and his people, he writes, those who wait upon the Lord renew their strength. They shall soar on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. In the Hebrew, wait and hope are interconnected. It's kind of the same word. So biblical waiting means waiting with hope. And we won't wait if we don't have hope. And hope won't help unless we learn from the Word of God how to wait. And the how can be found in verse 31 of our text from Isaiah. Running without being weary, walking without becoming faint. In other words, put a spring in, a, put a spring in your step and a song in your heart. Sounds charming, doesn't it? Still, just words. Especially to those who hear them and think, yeah, right, that's all I have to do? That's going to restore my hope? Just skip and sing and everything's going to be hunky-dory? Well, not quite. That's why Isaiah goes on to tell us about the suffering servant who took on flesh and blood in Bethlehem. The prophet says the servant will grow up and one day give his back to those who will whip him and he's going to give his cheeks to those who will pull out his beard. Wow, sounds painful, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure will be. He will not hide his face from being made fun of and getting spit on. The servant will be stabbed for our failings before God and he will be crushed for our sins. He will even be led like a lamb to the slaughter and like a sheep who is silent before its shearers. Hope will have a name, you see, and his name will be Jesus. 
Even after Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled, some will continue to say, but I had hoped. And that's just what those two guys walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus said after Jesus had died on the cross and was put in the tomb. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Boy, were they bitter. They were in so much despair. They didn't even see Jesus right there among them. They didn't recognize the one that the one that they had hoped for was walking with them and talking with them. But what did the suffering servant do with these guys? Leave them in despair? He kind of verbally slapped them around a little bit. Oh, you of little faith? Haven't you heard? But he made himself known to them even more than before. He opened their eyes to the scriptures and their hope was restored. And he does the same for you and me with his word today. It's where Jesus delivers hope to you. You know, in the last 30 years, the medical profession has been doing more research in how physical health and mental health and even spiritual health affects a person. And the American Heart Association evaluated 122 men who had suffered heart attacks or a heart attack and were questioned about the hope they had in recovering and living a long life. And of the 25 men with the least hope, 21 died within eight years. And of the 25 with the most hope, only six died after eight years. You know, the loss of hope predicted death more accurately than blood pressure or cholesterol level. So it's better to eat Twinkies in hope than to eat broccoli in despair, it would seem. You know, but more importantly... Those who wait upon the Lord, Jesus Christ, shall renew their strength because He renews their strength. He renews our strength. So may He renew yours and mine even more this Advent as we wait upon Him in faith, in hope, rejoicing, and in gratitude. Amen.